figuring out how how I can break through the like things that we think we're supposed to be doing to find the actual people like that's that's what I want I just want more real conversations in the world Mm, mm, absolutely um so BDSM how's that to go for you (laughs) oh my gosh Can you blame me? Good old Devo. Didn't that song cause a bit of a stir back in the early 80s or whatever the fuck it was? I think it was the early 80s. Anyway, um, welcome to the Eloquent to the Room podcast. I'm Rose Cooper. This is episode 17. It's also part two of a three-part interview that I'm doing with Wyo Lee, the host of the Sex Stories podcast and also multi-talented person in many other areas. Do visit her websites, which I will drop into the show notes. Um, and that, our little conversation series is entitled Love, Connection and BDSM. Um, and it's all part of a continuing series that I started at, at the end of last year and I will be continuing for the next few months at least talking about and around consent and as is my usual want we're going to come at it from all angles so far we've been talking a lot about personal consent giving yourself permission to feel good giving yourself permission to ask for what feels good and to ask other people what feels good to them and then inviting yourself to that party by really immersing in the pleasure-giving exercise as a way of completing that loop and experiencing the pleasure of giving pleasure. It's all about permission. And um, we covered that a fair bit with Betty Martin in uh, the first two episodes of Adulting Consent. Um, And then... Lo and behold, the very first episode or the very first part of this uh, conversation I've been having with Wyo, we ended up talking about permission just to be yourself, let alone all the other bits and pieces that um, encompass the subject of consent. So I thought I'd chop that bit off there because um, I eventually did say, so let's get into the BDSM subject, shall we, as you heard just then. And then we launched into it. If you didn't listen to that part, I advise you to go back. In fact, I'm telling you, do it. Do it now. Um, Bitch. I'm not very good at it, am I? (laughs) Um, That's why we need to talk to Wyo. Um, It was cool, actually, in that first episode, uh, we did some following up from the time we talked a few months ago and I had given her homework about uh, how to have better orgasms. And, um, yeah, like I say, if you didn't listen to the first episode, do go back, do yourself a favour and check it out. Okay, it's time to broach the topic at hand. It may surprise my listeners or not to know that I'm not a massive kinkster. I've dabbled as you'll soon hear in this upcoming episode and the next one. 
But for the most part, I've always found the scene, I don't know, a bit uh, equal parts naff and also plain triggering. I'm being really transparent and honest here. Like I've, I've come into this um, exploration of it at a more comprehensive level over the last 12 months really. Like, you know, I knew stuff. I heard about Hellfire Club and all that sort of stuff and I I went to parties where we dressed up and all that sort of stuff but it was just playing around. It wasn't really like the real deal. Um, and also over the last... Um, almost 20 years, I've got a lot of role playing out of my system, actually playing roles, being an actor. So that was an outlet. So sex for me has always been um, a connection thing and I connect my way. And sometimes that can be kinky by some people's definition. Anyway, I don't need to go into too much detail because we have a quite detailed conversation about it as you're about to hear. Um, now, I also want to, with the whole triggering thing, I also want to sort of be honest about the fact that it worries me that young people these days, because they're watching a lot of porn and, and seeing fashion represent things like BDSM in sort of mainstream fashion, which is kind of, I don't know, I, I must ask the next time I talk to someone who's into BDSM and all that sort of stuff, I must ask the question, but I'm asking you out there if you want to answer it for me, is it cultural appropriation now that it's become mainstream fashion, like you walk past a normal lingerie shop and in the window there will be um, very uh, sexy lingerie um, that does allude to BDSM and you know because of these extraneous straps all over the bra crisscrossing at the back and underwear that has extra straps and stuff so um, people get it because it looks good other people get it because maybe it um, they're they're super kinky and they like to sort of wear underwear that reflects that 24-7 I don't know but I just feel like you know people are just dropping into a market and making money um, and there's no care at all about the fact that they're just sort of alluding to stuff in every way. We're always alluding to sex and um, and now BDSM. And I don't know, I just feel like these things need context. Call me old-fashioned, but I don't know if everyone should be um, – should. There's that should. It's a very judgy word, but I don't know if um, – Gosh, doesn't it take the fun out of it if if it's mainstreaming? Isn't it part of the fun um, community to be part of a community and to feel like you're definitely with like minds rather than confusing signals everywhere of 16-year-olds wearing collars just because they think it's goth or, or whatever, you know? I'm like, I don't know, it confuses me. So I'm rambling at this point. I just want to say that um, the only reason I sort of got into it this early, talking about BDSM this early in a series about consent, was when I talked to Wyo, I, I, she just obviously to me doesn't fit any kind of stereotype at, of any kind at all. She is such a unique individual and I feel safe talking to her about anything and everything 
and she's so open and so enthusiastic and it's such a good-natured and really positive and exuberant thing that she brings to the table when we have this conversation that that I felt safe enough to at the end of the conversation to say you know what I really want to talk about this at length with you on my podcast because I find it a bit triggering and I think it'll be good for me as well because look this podcast over and above everything is about cognitive bias if there's things that I'm scared of Um, because I don't know enough about them, well, I want to have that conversation and feel a bit sort of flushed and embarrassed and stuff um, while I learn more about it. That's me. There's a vast array of people listening to this podcast from all over the world, different cultures, different ages and backgrounds. So yeah, content warning, we are going to be referring to BDSM practices in their correct name so we're talking about things like breath play impact play and power play and you'll hear in this interview you'll hear me dancing around what to call things because I didn't know that they were called breath play blah 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 and I don't like even thinking of talking about choking or striking um, or um, you know bullying or humiliation or any of these things I don't like actually using those words and while breath play impact play power play um, is descriptive and accurate about how that goes down to me considering the realities involved in all three the the word play to me kind of downplays the inherent dangers in all three so and I know I'm not overreacting there because when I did open it up with Wyo, she was telling me just how protective she is and how wary she is of people who really don't know what they're doing, who haven't done the research and haven't um, come into the experience in the most ethical and self-aware way. So she vets her prospective partners very, very carefully. So this is quite instructive um, in regards to listening to someone who's into it and been into it for you know a few years but is super super careful and super super vigilant because this kind of play can go seriously wrong in the blink of an eye now i've got sort of questions about the psychology of all this but we didn't get around to it so i will probably get around to it as well because i do have my own preconceived ideas as to how people come into this kind of life um and the thing is i have experienced um, uh, being dominated in a relationship and emotional abuse and I have experienced sexual assault. And that's what makes me so touchy about all of the stuff that we're talking about. Um, And I want, again, I want to be transparent about how I feel about talking about it. But this is the thing. I've experienced all those negative things in my life not being into kinky stuff, just having bad experiences, particularly in my youth where um, I wasn't taught that I could say no. Um, I was taught not to be a prick teaser and all that sort of shit. 
Now, Wyo is almost 30 years younger than me. She's grown up in the porn generation. She's a card-carrying millennial. She's a massive kinkster. But that girl has not experienced any sexual assault or coercion in her life unless, you know, it was part of a scene. So isn't that interesting? Like she's absolutely gorgeous. She models nude um, and is an actress herself and produces films and does so many things. She dabbles in everything. Please go visit her website to learn more about what an amazing person she is as well as listening to the Sex Stories podcast. But you know what? I I couldn't have found a, a better person to talk to. We are so the same We've had different experiences, but our curiosity and our thirst, really, for um, sexual experiences that are transcendent (laughs) is pretty much the same. And uh, it's really fucking... It's such a shame she lives in the USA because I'd love to give her a massive cuddle um, and just connect with her on a spiritual level as well as our, you know, trans-Pacific friendship because it's it's just such a great feeling of sisterhood and solidarity to cross these generational divides and and know that following generations are in safer hands than it sometimes feels to me growing up as a uh, boomer slash Gen X kind of hybrid person. Um, okay, so that's enough of me whining about me being uh, a bit soft, <laughs> but rightfully so. Um, look, that's your content warning. Throughout the podcast, I've actually inserted two uh, content warnings immediately before we bring something up. Um, Wyo's got a fabulous mind and she does dart around to different topics um, on a dime at a, you know, without notice or warning. She'll just bring something up. So I've just inserted the odd trigger warning, content warning along the way just to sort of, you know, tell you that this is safe. I want this to be a safe space um, for me as well as for people who are listening Um, Yeah, so without further ado, let's get on with the rest of it, shall we? And we'll check in at the end, as usual. Between people. I had broken up... Okay, so I'd broken up with this partner, my master, who was my first BDSM partner. Four years ago, it'll be four years in March, I was like, I'd like to see what it's like to get tied down. And I was sleeping with a couple friends, like two friends who were a couple at the time. And I was like, do would you guys tie me down? And so then like that night we took turns tying each other's wrists with a tie, you know, just, Mm. and I was like, that's cool. But like, I didn't, you know, I didn't let myself enjoy it. Kind of like what we were saying at the beginning, because I was like nervous and because they, they're not doms. And I was like, something is missing, but I didn't know what it was. I was just like, I was like, I think I want to get tied down by someone who's like into this. Mm -hmm. Um, and lo and behold, the internet helped me crash into a person fairly early on in my search. So that was my, have you read the alchemist or like, are you familiar with like following the omens or the beginner's luck idea of like, when you're on your path, then you like get a boost at the beginning. I've never had that except for this moment Mm, in my sex life. Is that what that is? Okay. Yeah. Because I have experienced it, but oh my God, it's kind of spooky that episodes 13, 14, and 15 were kind of about that very thing. Go on. So 
I never had, and that's why I've always actually had a lot of self doubt because I'm like, well, maybe I'm not on the right path then. And that's another piece where I'm just like, this sex thing seems to just be unfolding. I'll just follow it, you know? Um, and I do feel kind of pulled along by all the sexy work that I'm doing in a, in a wonderful way, but it's just like, I never would have imagined myself here growing up. So I started, so I met up with this man. He explained to me everything he was into. And luckily he is an ethical, safe human being and also gave me the emotional context that comes in a BDSM relationship. So BDSM is difficult to define because it's not the same thing for everyone. And there are many, 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 many people in the world. The more that I talk to, the more I'm like, oh, a lot of people are kinky. They just don't identify as kinky. Hey, here's your content warning. So many people love choking and they're like, but but I'm not kinky. And I'm like, that's breath play. That that's Mm -hmm. somewhat serious uh, and should not be done lightly and shouldn't be done drunk. Don't do that when you're drunk. Mm. Um, you know, and people will anyway. And I, 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 and I'm kind of like a mom now, you know, I'm like, sweetie, be safe, everyone. Yeah. Uh, I like that. I, I happened. I, yeah. I mean, I just, that's how I am. I'm a little little nervous, but also like if we stay alive longer, we get to have more love and fun and pleasure. So let's do that. So I happened to crash into a man who luckily was ethical. Okay. I know that Wyo did not imply anything by the word luckily in that sentence, but the fact is she did use the word luckily in that sentence. So it's a great opportunity just to pop a gentle reminder here that when you are interested in experimenting, do be like wire and be absolutely meticulous in researching the experience of potential partners. And who I just happened to have a fuck ton in common with. Mm. And he is my master. And mm. I, I could not, even though he told me how the relationships can be intense, it also sounded like he was a bit casual with most of his previous submissives. He did a couple long-term ones that had, you know, ended for logistical reasons or like if feelings caught or somebody moved away. Um, and so at the time I was looking for a partnership with someone like consistent sex, but I, I had just gone through a really nasty, terrible, confusing breakup. I had just fallen in love with a female bodied individual for the first time. And like, a bit like had some really terrific fails in exploring polyamory for the first time. And so I was like, I'm not ready to dive back into love things. Like I was too scared. So this is in the last like year or so that this is. This was 2017. This is 2017. Um, So, but this is when I met this man. So, uh, so that all that is to say, fast forward, we fall in love. It's a turbulent thing. And we didn't see each other from February of last year up until, um, just the beginning of November, maybe end of October. I can't remember. And so after a lot of talking and a lot of getting on the same page and a lot of checking in, I decided it was a good idea to start seeing him again, given that it's a pandemic and it's been very difficult to meet people online. And I've been very horny. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And as much as we had our difficulties interpersonally, it was never sexual. Like it was never, never once did I feel unsafe with him. And I so deeply missed the bond, the containment that I experienced from a relationship that contains power play. So been a wild exploration and what I've discovered in my submissive self, in my exploration of my submissive self, in discovering that I have a submissive self, Mm. 
is that it's a way for me to enjoy my body, to access exactly what you were talking about at the beginning, like to allow myself the pleasure of the moment. Because before I had a person where I am a hundred percent certain that when I'm with my master, I don't have to worry that he is not pleased in any moment because if he wants something different, he will tell me. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of anxiety around like, am I doing, am I doing it right? Do they want this? Do they, are they, you know, because a lot of, a lot of times people like, I'm a little weird. I check in about it. People are like, no, you're fine. And then they talk about my back or they never talk to me again. Or, you know, like, and, and that's my like childhood, my past, like that's stuff that is like really hard for me to kind of like yeah. figure out what's, what, what people want. And so it just feels so deeply refreshing and I've just discovered so much about myself and it's um it's been an incredible reconnection (laughs) yeah so when you were um growing up and and thinking about exploring sex and all that sort of stuff um was it always uh did you always feel like a a, an excitement moving forward or was there did you have hang-ups I was always extremely excited and extremely confused. And because I had like a mildly Christian upbringing, it wasn't until I was 16 and met my now best friend and we went to Victoria's Secret and she was helping me pick out panties. And she was like, what about these? And they were crotchless panties. And first she had to explain what they were to me. And then I had to like understand the concept. Like that was the moment where I was like, wait, I can want to have sex and that's okay. Mm. You know, and I was, so I was a, a bit of a late bloomer in many ways, but like not for lack of wanting, not for lack of trying. Mm. I got rejected trying to lose my virginity three times when I was twice when I was 18 and once when I was 19. And so it wasn't until I was 19 and a half that I finally did it, wow. you know? So, so I've, I've always been, and I can remember being a very young child and just being like excited to be 20 so that I could get married and have sex, you know? And like, I just didn't, I didn't know what any of those things really meant, but I, I've always been excited, curious and confused when it comes to yeah. sex. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. I get it so much. Do you think TV or movies influenced you or your friends or what was your, what motivated um, you, do you feel, if seeing as there was sort of a, a straight-laced parenting thing going on? Well, okay, so my parents were like conservative-ish, but also had been in the military and stationed in Europe. So there was like a, like a strange semi-openness. And, you know, so we, it's not that we were like hanging out naked together, but like when I was very young, I would see them change and that wasn't a big deal. And, and they're both medical professionals. So it was sort of this like, you have permission. We're all just awkward and we prefer to talk about things that are easy. You know, like it yeah. has kind of that vibe. So when I was quite young, you know, I don't remember how young, um, but they, we have this book called Show Me and it was a big picture book created by Germans. And it's like parents with their kids and they're naked and they're basically having the talk with their kids. Mm. So, so I had this initial curiosity very, very very young. And then when I started to learn more, it just sort of, but no, I was pretty sheltered. We, we never had cable. And so I never saw anything particularly dirty. Um, I think if I'd seen more like indie films and dirty things, I would have been a lot more, I don't think I would have this like childlike enthusiasm. I think some part of me would have been like, Oh, I want to be like the angsty, sexy woman. And I would have probably like modeled your different. Cause you know, I think those, those impressionable moments when you're growing up where you like learn the way to be, um, can shape you a lot. I don't know. Mm. It's something that I was just talking about with my best friend. So, ah, 
uh, why I was one of the rare millennials that avoided the porn doctrination. Yeah, so no, I didn't get a lot of shaping from media stuff. And I think that's also why I, I have, I really remember receiving the message as a kid, like girls can do anything boys can do. And I was like, okay, I will. And so like, I, I haven't experienced a lot of the issues around gender about, you know, like being talked over and all this stuff. Um, because I think I just really took that to heart. And when I, back when I was producing, I was not, not in a dominatrix way, but I, but I had no trouble just like bossing a bunch of boys around and they like listened to me. So, but like, you know, not, I don't know. So anyway, I feel, I do feel like I often have a backward experience because everyone is like, when boys try to have sex with you, here's what to do. And I'm like, no, but I'm trying to have the sex and getting rejected. How do I do (laughs) that? I thought boys were always supposed to want it, you know? So it's like, we get confusing messages every which way. Um, Absolutely. I'm so glad, I'm so glad you brought all that up because when I... That was a huge sexy tangent. It's no, no, it, it, it's so, that's the thing is when I decided that I wanted to do the subject of consent, like I say, I started out with the idea of talking to Betty about, because I feel that women's um, so-called sexual dysfunction, which is a kind of pathologizing of people. Yeah. (laughs) And most of the time it's just not being able to relax, not being able to overcome the, um, the, uh, whether it's a conservative upbringing or past bad experiences or, or whatever it is, but not being able to just be in their body and appreciate the arousal. Uh, the beautiful thing about um, Betty was like she, that when she realised that um, or when her world opened and it was after she'd been married for many years and stuff and she started to get into these sort of um, cool groups of a bunch of women and they'd all be talking about this stuff and experimenting with touching each other and stuff and it's like sounded like an awesome experience but mm. is just realizing that her eroticism was hers mm-hmm. and just having that notion just drop in and sit sit in it for a moment like this experience I've having like really really feeling the experience I can't imagine not feel oh, I can kind of remember remember what it was like when I was young and I didn't feel overly aroused when I was experimenting with sex but the thought of uh, sexual context was sometimes arousing to me in uh, independently of being with people like I, I had an imagination that was still giving me experiences of arousal even though I didn't know what to do yeah. with it do with it at all when I was younger but uh, basically once the once the connection to that core erotic feeling in your body there's like uh there's arousal but then there's that uh, that deep core feeling inside you that is um it might be one minute away from orgasm or it might be half an hour away from orgasm but it's on the road to orgasm it's that Mm. that deep erotic feeling that you know is connected to a experience that is physical that is t- taking over your body, that you know that you're going to, you're on your way, you can feel that your your vagina is filling with, um, uh, you know, you're becoming engorged, you can feel your breasts swell, you can feel your body transforming in a erotic, engaged, aroused way when you're with someone else and it might be a whisper in someone's ear or a touch to the elbow, whatever it is, everything 
takes on new meaning. Everything takes on a sense of um, portentousness in regards to your own erotic experience and you're not really thinking, how do I look? How is he feeling? Whatever. It's a real shared, connected, primal, core feeling of, um, you know, you're, you're on a surfboard the swell's coming and all you got to do is just wait for the right moment to stand up on the board but the ocean okay i actually the ocean is coming the ocean no i don't i don't have that experience at all and i'm so jealous of it i don't have that awareness i don't um my body is really strange when it comes to sensations it's different not strange go on Um, well, I say, I say strange and, and I use that word specifically because I am constantly to this day still confused by the inconsistencies, not inconsistencies, but yes, inconsistencies, the differences that are day to day and in my own physical body's experience yeah yeah and so I don't actually have a deep trust of like oh I have this deep feeling of desire and arousal in my core I may have that and it may have nothing to do with an orgasm and for me there is a certain mixture of um I think I think I require this is all just like fresh noodlings just like one coming out of my brain but I think that I do require a certain level of like connection with a person to like reach a certain point of relaxation and turn on an erotic exchange. Mm -hmm. And I've just been wondering lately because it it, is the intense energy. And the last time that I was with my master, I reached this new like emotional peak that kind of freaked me out. It was like so big and so vulnerable and such a strong connection, but like overpowering emotionally in a way that like even saying these words out loud, I'm like, but what do you mean? And like, my brain was like, what does this mean? And so, so I'm still like in the midst of having these new experiences and noticing them because I really have only been in my body for a couple years. Like I, Mm -hmm. like I, I'm, I'm learning myself all over again every time. And I've got a clitoris that's very finicky, Mm -hmm. you know? So I have, so it's great because I have, it's great because I have a partner that's amazingly creative and pays close attention to what my body is like on a given day. But before that I had like, with the exception of my two partners that were not male, two par- well, there, I had more than two partners that were, but those are like the two that I'm, that I a little bit more often, um, you know, they were the two people that were most like to like pay attention to what was happening or, or talk about it. But mostly I've fucked a lot of dudes who just were like trying to do one, two, three, four buttons because Mm. probably because they're awkward or don't know how to communicate or don't know that they should, or are just hoping that they're not bad. You know, like I've tried to expand my, my compassion goggles and and try to think that people are probably trying to do their best. Like, I don't think they're trying to be selfish for the most part. Certainly not the lovers I've been with. Like I, I've, I've yeah, with overall it's, nice it's, people, it's but. probably a lot of, uh, a lot of a, a vast array of differences as to how much people yeah. care, but don't know. And how don't know. And, yeah. and like, can't yeah. be like their own fear getting in the way of like doing the work they'd have to do to try. And I get it, but also just, so it's just a new experience for me to have a partner that's like, you know, like that, that's willing to experiment with my body on a given day and to give me like drawn out sensations. And well, just, that's the, con- that's yeah. where, that's to me, that's where the consent thing is people. And uh, that's why we've got to start. <laughs> you got to start with what are you consenting to you? Not so. This what, so yeah, this is the first, this is an important question. And I feel what you what what are you consenting to emotionally, connection wise? 
wise, physically, all of the stuff. And it takes maturity and self-awareness to understand that sex isn't just part A, part B, jigsaw puzzle, two people having an orgasm and that's over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It can be. If you just want to have a hookup, it can be that. Yeah. But you still have to know who you are going into that because what if, for whatever reason, on that particular day, the person that walks into your room and jumps into your bed with you is someone you inexplicably have a connection with and 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 have a feeling about that that's, just comes out of nowhere and you think that's what happens to me all the time yeah yeah so like, like yeah. I'm like we're just casual we're just casual right we're just casual we're definitely not gonna we're not gonna do the love thing right like that was one of my actual original boundaries with my master is I was like don't fall in love with me which mm-hmm. you know lesson learned <laughs> lesson learned you can't make hard and fast rules about emotions you just mm-hmm. can't like like in all of the work that I've done and learning more about polyamory and learning more about tops and bottoms and to anyone listening who's curious about kink, I highly recommend everyone read the work of Dossie Easton and Janet Hardy, the, mm-hmm. the authors of The Ethical Slut, the new yeah. topping book. I've and read, the book. I've read The Ethical Slut, which, which so is I a just great... Read the, it's yeah. so good. And her con, their, their definitions of consent are so good. You know, an active collaboration for the well-being of all parties involved is like, mm. I'm paraphrasing it. But, but this idea that that it's not in fact for me for me while personally i will not be engaging in kinky behavior with a partner that i have not had a clear explicit negotiation with and if i'm going to be with a dom i expect the dom to know how to initiate and lead that conversation and i expect that dom to check in with me before, during, and after we do things. I expect, you know, there are so many ways to do head checks and stay in the scene, to stay in your roles um, by giving orders. You know, can my slave hear me? Like, is my slave still with me? Is my slave comfortable? Like, you know, there, there's a certain amount of like checking in with authority that, that we do. Mm. And I have a partner that's very safety conscious. You know, he took, before I ever, ever fucked him, he told me, uh, like, I asked how he was trained. I asked how he got into it. I asked about his experience levels. And I, I had a firm understanding of what he was into. And he was really into butt stuff. And I was just like, I don't know if I'm going to like that. But, like, I want to try. Mm. You know, and so, lo and behold, I'm quite a butt slut. And I'm, like, mm. definitely, um, definitely highly encouraged by a partner who, on our first night together, gave me what now seems like a very obvious gift, but at the time was a big deal because he said, what if you never had to be embarrassed in front of me? Because I was Mm -hmm. like, what if it's messy? And he was just like, I accept all parts of you. Like, and if I'm doing this with you, you shall not be shamed here basically. Mm -hmm. And so that's what started to unlock everything for me because I just hadn't been with a person who was far enough removed from their own shame to to hold space for me like that. Can we just take a moment to absorb the clarity of thought it took to come up with that? Far enough removed from his own shame to hold space for her. Fucking love that phrase. That's awesome. Or to show me that it was even possible. Because I just didn't know. And I didn't I didn't have a lot of very sex positive friends and part of the reason, you know, or, or not that they're not sex positive, but just like not as deeply into like the talking about the sex and the details and the like luxuriousness that I, that I actually really revel in. And that's yeah. why the podcast exists. Yeah. So, so BDSM for me, understanding it, I, I was really lucky to have an introduction by someone who was like, no, 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 no. 
there are rules. You have to talk about things explicitly, you know, and after talking to hundreds of people, I found out that most people are like, yeah, I'm kinky. I just like wanted my boyfriend to choke me one night. Or like, I asked my girlfriend if she wanted to get slapped and she said, yes. And I'm like, but but what about her eardrums? You can hit her eye and she can go blind. Like, don't, no, 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 no. Don't make them pass out. That kills brain cells. Like you can do that a few times. It can go really wrong. I don't care if he's an EMT, you know? So I am mommy safety conscious. Um, yeah. And, and I'm really lucky because I think I was raised in such a loving household that I always have, I've never struggled with my own personal boundaries. And I have lots of friends who have like given their consent and then after the fact felt really bad that they did. Mm-hmm. I'm lucky that I was so deeply loved that like, I know if something's a no for me and I know if something's a like, maybe, but like, can you hold the consequences if it's a no, you know? And, and, and I only fuck people that are willing to go along with me for the ride. And I've never yet had an exploration go so wrong that I felt that I received damage. However, I'm curious forward, exploration forward and shame low. So I'm like, you know, so like, and I'm so curious and enthusiastic that most of the time I'm just like happy for the exploration, you know? Yeah. But I think even even though you're talking specifically about BDSM and butt stuff and whatever, the in-the-moment conversation is something that we mainstreamers, <laughs> the rest of the people who aren't into BDSM, yeah. are suddenly waking up and going, yeah. Okay, um, they're talking all the time. We're thinking that there's something, some, I'm not really doing a day and us thing, but I know that any kind of triggery feeling I've had around even the initials or or, or stuff, particularly to do with physical um, expressions of... Um, Impact play is not for yeah, everyone. Yeah, so... I mean, that, it's, it's not. Yes. A lot of people just get off on the mind part of it. A lot of people get off on online relationships you know it's it's not not everyone needs to like beatings yeah for me I get an endorphin release and like I have such a crazy nervous system that if I am only given pleasure it's too much and I can't fuck for very long but I actually get balanced out and then I get an endorphin flow and then I can receive more but my my skin and clitoris and every like my physical body is so highly sensitive Mm. that that to only experience pleasure, I can't actually stand it that long. And I want more touches. So Mm. for me, it's like a really interesting, but I had a kinky threesome once with this couple that like, they're in like a full dynamic, like a, you know, an ongoing daddy, little girl. And they were so sweet together. Like it was so beautiful, but also he was very stern. So I was like, is she in trouble? But like, that's their like thing when they're being sexy. Okay. And watching her get beaten is something I don't like, I don't, I don't, it's so alarming to me, even though I know that it feels good for me myself to get, I'm not scared. Like I'm not scared in the same way that I was scared watching someone get hit. Mm -hmm. So I will just say that like the physical stuff is not for everyone. And that's just part of like what we have to know or learn about ourselves. And like, you know, I guess if you ever go to a dungeon, maybe we're blindfolded. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's someone steering it's, around. It's it's all the uh, uh, it's oh, there's so many aspects of it, and um, the only I, I guess um, I qualm I have had is that the uh, for someone entering the scene and having no other context for their sexuality except that. Um, oh wait, what do you mean? I don't know if I understand. If well, say say for instance, you 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 have BDSM as part of your life and your existence and all that and you're in a in that relationship but you have 
for the want of a better word, vanilla sex or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's all part of, everything's all part of your rounded sexuality rather than having um, um, like it's, everything opens you up in a different way and they're all valid to you or do you feel like you're strong, more strongly um, um, sexual, your, your sexual being is more more expressed through BDSM? That's such a great question that I actually don't know if I've had enough sexual experience post mastership. Like I've only, let's see, since meeting him, I think I've only fucked five or six new people. I'm a person that like deeply loves sensations that if a partner is very sensual and is willing to be connected, I don't know that I like need to get beatings all the time. I do know that it lowers my stress levels And I do know that, like, I never want to have to choose. (laughs) Like, I want to have, for me, the thing that I like so much about having sex with different people, especially at this point in my life where I'm not keeping track of numbers, although I have probably a lot less sex than people think. Like, I'm not a numbers person. I, because I'm such a tough cum, I've always been like, are you going to pay attention? Are we going to be connected? You know, like, like I have always filtered for that. Just kind of like, that's my natural sense of what I need. And so while there's a part of me that absolutely feels deeply, deeply energized and contained by what I experience in a relationship, in the relationship with my master, it's not like I can just go get that from anyone else. And I did fool around like mildly kinky with a couple other partners and it's, I think for me, it's about the connection that it allows for. Mm. And one of the things that makes me suspect, and again, I don't have enough data points collected to to say for sure, but I suspect that I prefer kinky sex because when I am allowed to be submissive to someone, I feel so much more permission to enthuse over them. I'm a very enthusiastic lover. I love touching bodies. I love having sex. I love enthusing about it. Like I love to be like, what a beautiful fill in the blank body part. Mm. Um, and it f- tends to freak vanilla people out. Like, oh yeah. oh yeah. Like, like I've had many people be like, Oh my, I just think you like me more than I like you. And I'm like, probably my baby seems to be like exponentially higher than most people's when it comes to liking anything. Mm. And so I think that there is a permission and maybe also a theatricality or maybe permission in the theatricality, like, like BDSM at once creates a container with boundaries around it so that you can play very deeply within a space without freaking each other out. And you can still freak each other out like there because I'm experiencing more intense emotions, but, um, I don't want to give up vanilla cuddle sex. Like I don't want to give up sensory stuff. I don't have super kinky sex with my master all the time. Although I think even our cuddle fucks are like kink oriented because I do like to feel his hands firmly grip me. And, um, usually after I come, if I don't get a slap, my body will overload with nerves. And so he Mm -hmm. kind of like knows how to read me and knows when to just like let me lie. And when I need a a slap somewhere to like balance Mm -hmm. out and keep going. So, um, so that's not a clear answer because I don't think I have one, but I, I, I really love exploring with new partners because it's such a different chemistry with each 
person. Mm-hmm. Even, and I will say, even like with the like regular sex that I've had, I love all of it. Even when mm-hmm. I don't come, even when I'm a little bit too dry, like I'm so excited about sex. And I know people are like, well, you shouldn't like it if you didn't get off. And like, you should be mad at sex if it's like not super good for you. And you know what? Like younger me did not have the communication tools. And that doesn't mean that I have to like dislike my past sex. Mm. So like I, I like... I was just along for the ride for the most time, you know, like younger me was like, maybe this time it'll be better. I don't know. And like, I wasn't a researcher. I'm, I'm much more like a one-on-one explorer. Like I love to just like go out and try stuff. So I think I love, I always love the connection, the adventure, the journey, the circumstances around it, surrounding it. And I think I love kink and BDSM so much because I get the experience of a journey every single session but I definitely get pleasure and, you know, it, there is a big emotional arc built into it. So, mm. and, which may have something to do with the fact that my Dom is very creative. He's a writer. So, yeah. so he has like a natural sense of story and like starting out, you know, but, but I think most Doms, if they have done their research, they understand how to like, you know, get a sub warmed up and to like check in with them and to like, you know, he, lo- I love when he edges me so that I'm just like on the brink of orgasm for forever, but not allowed to come because that completely bypasses the anxious part of me that is really likely to shut down an orgasm half the time if I like realize it's happening. So, you know, I've got a crazy brain and not crazy. I don't, I should not, I'm actually trying not to say that. Um, I think it's really, I I love that you're, um, uh, I think you, the smile never leaves your face. You're telling me all this. I really and like the sex. Smile, yeah, the smile of <laughs> I really like Every so time I have it, I'm like, oh, my God, I love sex. And then so, I'm like, yeah, duh. So you're not troubled. No, there's nothing nothing about you that I feel is troubled. And and I, I it's funny you should mention the um, the people sort of saying that um, you should want an orgasm and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing a lot of um, memes and stuff that are popping up saying, you know, people should be less goal-oriented about sex and orgasm and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. And I feel like this is mostly aimed at women because I don't think mm. men um, feel intimidated, anxious or whatever about whether or not they're going to have an orgasm. and They like, feel it about whether their women have orgasms. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and then there's this pressure thing and I, I, I was thinking I think goal orientation is a good thing but I think maybe finish line, I, I was thinking maybe it's in the language. For me it's don't be finish line oriented. I'm not sure if I totally understand the distinction that you're making because it sounds like I just, our pleasure and orgasm separate here because I, I think one leads to the other. Yeah, I feel that goal oriented um, is like putting all the focus on having an orgasm, which doesn't, yeah, yeah which doesn't That'll destroy me, which doesn't speak to timing. And doesn't speak to prepare preparation or whatever. Yeah, it can be. It doesn't speak to creativity. I think. Yeah, I think, and I think being so focused on that robs you of just being the sensory experience. Yeah, but I don't. I think um, if if men are goal oriented um, around um, their orgasm or women's orgasm, um, it still comes down to uh, an ego. Um, sense of achievement and and all that sort of stuff um 
Well, I don't know if I'm going to be like oh. totally ego free in my lifetime, but I do meditate twice a day. <laughs> you know, like, like how I, I do think that like, we also have to be realistic in our expectations because it's like, uh, I know people are, I know so many people are trying to do their best and we all just have so many reasons to feel shame, especially mm. when it comes to sex. Yeah. And so that's why for me, you know, it, I started sex stories exactly because of what you were saying earlier, because I was like, wait, why can't non-kinky people talk like this about sex? Mm. Why is it so hard? Why, why is the conversation about like whether or not we're having orgasms? Why can't the conversation just be about like, when do you feel the most turned on? Mm. You know? And so for me, I think everything I'm trying to do is to, I just love knowing the specifics of what people love. Mm-hmm. And I think that talking to person after person about that is what gives other people, listeners, from the reports I hear, it seems to give permission for us to check in with like, well, what do we actually want? What do I, what actually works for my body? Because yeah. for so long I was like, I need to be focused on having an orgasm. And that was exactly the thing that kept me from having it for years, yeah. you know? Yeah. But and I, having, having guy partners who cared so much were like, did you come? Did you, did you come? Did you come? Like that doesn't work for me. Well, it's <laughs> again, again, it's like if, if you don't have a conversation or if you, like I said, I think for me, finish line is a little bit more descriptive of the problem of being goal goal oriented because the goal still should be experiencing pleasure, discovering more about yourself, all this sort of stuff. Ultimately, um, there's no reason why women can't or aren't or or don't pursue being as orgasmic as men as regularly during sexual experiences. There's no reason. Oh, yeah. There's I'm no more reason. orgasmic than boys now. Yeah, there's, exactly. There's no reason why that shouldn't be the norm. But because we are focused on the finish line, thanks to the money shot porn, because all you're seeing is orgasm. Mm. You're not seeing anything else that's going along. So if Yet. you, yeah. So if you take away the finish line, but still be goal oriented, if that makes sense. So it take it to me. I want to. I want to give people the exper- the the mindset of they're going into something to experience pleasure. Yeah. All right. The the goal can still be orgasm as the zenith of the pleasure because it's still healthy to have that release if you're continually getting close to but not. It's there's, you know, women don't get blue balls per se, but there's still going to be a, a certain amount of um, emotional frustration that's going to set in with you if you're if you're continually building up and, and never having that release. It's going to come yeah, out of you somehow. You don't get to complete the stress cycle. Yeah, 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 exactly. So that's still going to happen. But if you're thinking of, um, uh, if you say, you know, let's not think too much about the finish line but still have a goal. Yeah, I'm yeah. goal-oriented person in the world. Yeah. I'm never yeah, like so. I'm not I'm never a person that's just like whatever, nothing. I'm like, no, I'm here to touch you. Yeah. I'm here to connect. I'm here to see what's available to us today. But you we're know? we're we're too easily um still under the misapprehension or the belief system that orgasm is um uh, it, to me, it's still stigmatized for women as mm. uh, something that is harder. And it's, I, I will maintain this still my dying breath. It's only harder if there's that consent. If you're not allowing yourself to be in the moment and have pleasure, 
it's not going to happen. If someone else is pressuring you or, or trying to give you pleasure, or it's supposed to happen this way. If I do this, it's it's supposed to happen this way. And everybody's going, okay, well, this is the way it's supposed to happen. Why isn't it happening? And they're intellectualizing that what was happening. me for years. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was such a tough come for such a long time. It wasn't until I started, it wasn't until I had a master that I was like, oh, I'm one of those people that can orgasm mm. with a partner. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm intrigued by the parallel for me, the parallel of um, like I, the first conversation that we had, I said, I'm, I, what did I say? <laughs> Something when we talked Lots about, of, we talked about so many yeah. things, but when we talked about kink, I was like, uh, I am, I am, but I'm not, I don't call myself kinky or what is kink anyway? Or, you know, it was yeah. very, very much, um, um, because I've You're been very a, resistant to the labels. You're yeah. like, don't call me a label. Well, I hate vanilla too. So it's like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. only because yeah. I feel like people, um, equate it with boring or, mm-hmm. or straightforward. Which it's not people. I've got a couple messages from listeners that were like, you're mean to vanilla sex. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm not. You're not listening. Mm-hmm. I didn't say it like that, but, but I'm just like, no, I just don't want things to be rushed. I mm. love vanilla sex. I just want lots of touches. Yeah. Some of the best vanilla sex I ever had, you know, so in my early years before I knew how to communicate anything, I did stumble into a partner that his his favorite way to have sex was literally just to pound me for hours. Mm. And I would, I'd finally start to have to cut him off. But he was the first partner that I had multiple orgasms with because normally I didn't have partners that could last long enough or were willing to like you know, work me long enough to like, let my anxiety slip away. And with him, I was just like, oh yeah, I'm two hours in. Okay. Oh, I can let myself do, you know? And so it became an exciting practice. Yeah. And so that's, that's, I guess some people think that that's boring, but I think that's like a great experience. So do we know, do we know where your anxiety comes from? Oh, I mean, it's a like, so many places. Yeah. The world. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I try not to pathologize specifically myself too much. About, about orgasm, the, like that, that questioning thing that you no longer have. Is it? Uh, no, it still comes back. I can absolutely oh, right. scare away an orgasm in a certain moment. Mm. Um, no. Do I know its exact origin? No. Does it, does it seem to correlate with my overall like stress, sleep, relationship with the person? you know, how my body is feeling that day. Yes. Everything. Mm. Like I, like I could probably make, um, a big little list. And then I do think a large piece of it is perhaps history, like the habit of dis. you know, I think there's some level of disconnection that was happening for me with sex before, because I didn't know what it was like to let the feelings happen. Now that doesn't happen. Um, you know, for, for the sex I've been having recently, like I don't have the, the curtain that like when I, when I feel like I can't feel someone, I like to say that I'm like having sex with them through a curtain. Cause it feels like there's just like a little something between us. Because you've got so much going on and because you're so excited about the presence of the other person, because in order for you to relax into something, you have to give up all the other things that you really, really love, which yeah, is what and you're that, doing. And that's like <laughs> the problem. And that's also the problem in my actual life is like, there's yeah. so many things, like I have a consistent pattern of overwhelm in every aspect of my life. And so, mm. you know, so even, Hey, guess what is your content warning? So 
So I used an anal hook for the first time with my dominant a couple weeks ago. And there was like a moment where I was like on the ground and he had it like clipped to my collar and was like tugging on it. And like, you know, he's like fucking me from behind and I'm like watching us in the mirror. And I was like, so overwhelmed watching us because I was like, we're so hot. Like I was overwhelmed with hotness. And then I was feeling the sensations of pleasure inside my body at the same time. And he was like, are you close? And I was like, no, but I was so overwhelmed with like pleasure and good feeling, but I wasn't in the brain space. Like I was in a different brain zone. Mm -hmm. And then when he said that, then I'm able to now relax a certain part of my body and like focus on the pleasure sensations and that can get me closer. So it really is like an attention and focus thing. And I think I'm starting to understand that like my thinking brain picks up a lot more details than I ever realized before and that my physical body picks up a lot more sensation than ever before. And so, mm. you know, um, from my clitoris to my regular skin all over the place and, mm. you know, and I get a lot of funny nerve spots. Do you ever have spots where someone, someone's like inside you and suddenly you're like belly button itches? Like, I've Oh, been having... sure. It's sure. so funny. Sure. <laughs> it makes yeah, it's interesting that 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 entire navel area is really interesting, and that's to do with so your vagus funny. nerve and all that yeah, sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it it is. It's um, it can accidentally be ridiculously um responsive yes. and, and, I, and but I love that, and I never want to be with someone where I can't be like, aha, it tickles, you know, like mm. like it, because it's just mm. so. I want the whole range of my human experience welcome when I'm yeah. Yeah, well, that's 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 where I'm. I'm like I've always wanted to. Uh, I'm. I feel like I'm really uh, open-minded, but that's what, like I say, when I get triggered and stuff. And I think for me, it's about having been um, psychologically dominated in a relationship mm. before. Um, I haven't been physically hit um, by a partner, but you know, my parents were violent and all that sort of stuff. So, mm. so there's aspects of that. Having yeah. said that, um, in previous relationships and stuff, the idea of like the students and school teacher kind of role play idea that you can plant the seed in the oh, middle, yeah. in the middle of it. That's what I mean. I'm, I don't label myself kinky, but when you're in a relationship with someone for a long time, you've always got to sort of sometimes come up with spontaneous ideas to heighten your state of arousal and like permission just as a person that has never the longest relationship I've had was two years 22 to 24 so I'm always like if I had a long-term part I mean technically my master is a long-term partner now like we're off and on four years but like I don't have regular access to him so it's like I'm always like you live with the person you guys could try anything mm. every week you could try something you know mm. like I, I'm just like that's an opportunity because I've never had someone to do that with mm. and I want I, I would try it like I would try everything I'd probably exhaust someone I don't know you know like, <laughs> who knows but um yeah I think that's like the beauty of it so do you did you did you did you dress up as a naughty school girl or do you have um it was I it, more of a like I said more of a psychological thing and you know yeah, yeah, a, yeah. Bit of, a bit of spanking and and all that sort of stuff but it's completely and utterly contextualized in the intimacy of the moment because in that yeah. moment you're going I'm thinking about this thing it could be categorized as 
weird. <laughs> but as soon as you share sure. your share your weird with the other person, you've got permission to feel, oh, I can actually, you know, drop into this kind of taboo yeah. taboo arousal zone, which is different to the, you know, hearts and flowers emotional arousal zone. There's so many different places. Um, and and you notice that it's it's a sort of heightened headspace that you can play with and and the moment you get because I've been in like I said relationships from the time I was really young they were quite long relationships as well as lots of casual sex but the moment you're in a relationship and that change happens where one minute you you um, you're only emotionally engaged because you're young and you haven't yet sort of what's the word assimilated sex with psychology that of other things fantasizing and all that sort of stuff you you do it usually in on your own fantasizing during sex you usually do it without even realizing you're doing it sometimes or aware that you're doing it but it's never something you'd actually open your mouth and share with the other person but Mm. you're, you're enjoying your own arousal in the moment you're with the other person, they're aware that they're turning you on, slightly unaware that you might be also turned on about whatever movie you've got going on in your head, whether it's... Um, I've never done that before, actually. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Not hey, with a partner. Hey, maybe I'm the kinky one after no, I mean, all. <laughs> well, no, so, so that's the thing. And I, I think that that... I, I, didn't have ma- uh, I didn't have masters before my fantasies. I never <laughs> had fantasies before meeting my master. I just didn't... It, like... I would have fantasies in general away mm. from people by myself. I would think about, you know, I'm a very imaginative person. I would think of I, like sexy ideas, but not in a way that was connected to my real life and not in a way that was necessarily connected to even my masturbation practice. Like, yeah. like I've always been very focused on what's available to me in life life. And I think even now, so much of my experience is created from like in the moment stuff with that person now, mm. wh- whoever I'm doing. And so, um, and so it was also a new idea to me during interviewing people from the podcast. And I was like, Oh, and you're fantasizing about someone else completely different with that person. Like it was a new idea. And so I feel so stupid about those things half the time. Um, but it's just a, it's just a difference. It's I, not a I, I, Yeah, no, I, and I think a lot of people feel guilty for what they think about or all yeah. that sort of stuff. But, yeah, but when I like, when I was younger and my first um, husband's, his libido was way higher than mine and um, I felt under pressure to, to be available, I would make it so that, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to have a great time. So I would get into the state of arousal in whatever way I could, whether it was mm, the yeah. natural the natural progression of us being together and that just turning me on, or me immediately switching on my brain and going through my little file effects in my brain and like, who am I yeah. going? Who am I going to think about? Kind of right. yeah. um, and the end result was it would still uh, be a sexual moment that we would share together. It was still, you know, um, a lot of. Uh, I think you, you, for me, you only do that to get to the point of the arousal that's going to get you through into, you know, those higher realms of um, mm. of feeling and all that sort of stuff, yeah. which you then re-engage with the person that you're with because you're yeah. if caught up. He was just horny all the time and I, totally. you know, I, I had to I had to make myself catch up. Well, I um, also just wonder if I haven't been with someone long enough and consistently enough to feel a boredom feeling. Yeah. Because, for, because I'm such a... a 
full of desire person, most of my experience in life has been like, I just wish I could have a little more sex. I just wish it was a little more regular. I just would like to have a little yeah. bit more, you know? And so I haven't had the opportunity even, I think, to get to the point where I might because I imagine it would, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm at the point the now where I just, doesn't get a chance to wear off. Mm. Yes. And I just yeah. want to experience everything, including mm. the chance to like fantasize about something else. Now with my master in person, we will, you know, he'll tell me fantasies and then we'll kind of build on them together sometimes while we're fucking. Yeah. Um, like, and, and so that's really hot, but it's a shared thing and therefore um, connected and, you know, we're luckily compatible, compatible enough fantasy wise that it hasn't turned us off. You know, I would imagine that if someone was trying out fantasy sharing during sex for the first time, especially with a partner you're really committed to, I imagine that's really vulnerable. So like, yeah, it's interesting. You know, <laughs> like, I don't know. So I think in a, in a strange way, there is a certain weird amount of privilege in, in the, la- not that my relationships haven't been deep, but mostly they start out casual and then accidentally get deep because I'm like, my heart is open. Come on in, you know, like, and yeah. if we get along, then it just kind of works out. And so I, I don't know, I've been really lucky to stumble into some wonderful things, but, um, I wouldn't mind having enough sex that the novelty wore off just mm. that's like, and it's, yeah. I just get such a boost when I have sex. Yeah, it's, so it's as you can see, we start to get a little bit more philosophical towards the end and I really enjoyed how it flowed, the conversation ebbed and flowed into concepts of BDSM, but also just talking about the simple differences of what it's like to have um, someone that you trust and have connection with and have an established relationship with versus having casual sex and um, how confident or willing you are to be the person who um, knows what they want and asks for what they want and all that sort of jazz. So BDSM was Wyo's segue to empowerment My segue to empowerment was to long-term relationships, particularly the first one. Like I said, I used to have to um, keep my libido up and do it by whatever means necessary. Now, my first partner was a fabulous lover, but there were things he liked to do um, and it was always the same thing that I wasn't that fussed on, certain positions and that that I wasn't that fussed on. So in order to make myself more receptive, I would take it upon myself to engage my personal erotic thoughts and um, connect those erotic thoughts with my body and then connect my body back to him. Um, So orgasms were always plentiful in both my long-term relationships. Um, That's why when I was single in my 30s and 50s, I had a 100% batting average with orgasm Um, and I was inclined to take the lead and I was inclined to be very communicative communicative and speak up. Now, why I always had her experiences through the uh, incumbent communication situation that Um, BDSM brings with it like it is part of the practice consent checking in head checks all this sort of stuff it's what should really happen in every sexual encounter whether it's kinky or not that's the way we should be conducting ourselves do you like this 
Uh, well, how about this? That kind of stuff. Um, and I know people, like anecdotally, I know people that have gone into casual sex at like festivals or places and um, experienced people being really rough, like actually being slapped in the face or actually being choked without any preamble, any check-in, any question being asked, just did it. And that shook these women, like seriously, that's just not fucking on. So yeah, it's all about consent, you guys. Um, So I'm going to leave it there and leave you um, wanting more tease you a bit further um, so you'll come back for the last um, installment next week. After that, we're going to continue on the consent topic and take it in a different direction. Uh, It's quite the web that I like to weave. Thank you so much for tuning in. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Um, Again, I will thank the people who have joined me on the Podbean app. I've got a bunch of followers now. I had stuffle followers on Podbean a couple of months ago. Um, Most people were listening to me on Spotify and Apple. Um, And all of a sudden Podbean has just leapt to the front and I've got a bunch of followers. So thank you for that. Most of the people are from the USA, so g'day. (laughs) How you doing? Um, Please share the podcast. Please send feedback if you have questions or any suggestions or whatever. Hit me up on the socials at The Eloquent in the Room. Check out my blog at theeloquentintheroom.com and check out the... um, surveys that I'm still doing, particularly there's one about self-esteem on my blog. Please check that out because that's going to factor into everything to do with consent. Like if you feel good about yourself, you're going to be a little bit more vocal in the old sack Um Yeah, like, subscribe, um, rate, all that sort of stuff. I want to keep gaining traction so that um, more people do start listening. Um, and I need you. I need my community. You're my guys. You're my little eloquent roomies. Um, I appreciate and love each and every one of you. Have a wonderful couple of weeks until we talk again. Um, yeah. And uh, if you're feeling like getting a bit kinky, Knock yourself out. Or knock the other... No. That was a bad joke. I didn't mean that. Um, Have fun, guys. Be safe. Play nice. I'll talk to you soon. Say, whip it.